This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Welcome to the third installment of the Fall 2017 UC Santa Barbara Innovator Stories series. I'm John Greathouse, and you can follow me on Twitter, at John Greathouse. We have with us tonight Jonathan Brown. Uh, Jonathan is a highly creative SoCal native. Excited to have him here because he combines professional managerial expertise and experience with an incredible passion, uh, entrepreneurial drive and vision. So sometimes people have the drive and the vision, they can't manage a team of one, and sometimes people are really great managers, they have no, they have no vision, they have no um, entrepreneurial spirit. He brings both of those together. He's logged over 13 years of experience generating revenue, solving problems, and managing high-profile, some people might say challenging relationships with some pretty well-known people. Uh, and, and, and doing all of that, he's been supporting in, um, some of the most influential global music and lifestyle brands. So he's worked with a bunch of different companies, including Converse, uh, Delta Airlines, Forever 21, Whole Foods, and a bunch more. His current focus is his role as the co-founder of the music tech startup Partnerly. Partnerly is simplifying the creation and management of partnerships between brands, so some of those brands I mentioned, and music influencers. And they're doing it through software. They're doing it through what's called a SaaS platform or a software as a service platform. So in the role of co-founder, you kind of do everything, right? You take out the trash, you hire people, you clean the dishes, right? You're doing it all. Um, He's drawing upon, as he's washing the dishes at 10 o'clock at night, he's drawing upon his experience um, as a two-time Grammy-nominated multi-platinum record producer. Uh, He's worked with a bunch of amazing, highly talented people, including Pink, Eminem, and the Black Eyed Peas, to name just a few. He earned his degree at the music. He earned his degree in music production um, and engineering from Boston's prestigious Berklee School of Music, and that's actually the Berklee that's hardest to get into—not the Berklee up north, but the Berklee School of Music is actually more difficult to get into. He earned that degree back in 2003. So, despite trying to get a company going, despite all of the energy and effort you have to put into your startup. Jonathan agreed to come up um, from LA today, brave that traffic, which is a nightmare. Uh, no one should have to go through that. We really appreciate him giving, uh, giving us all his time, and I'm really looking forward to his, in, to his insights. Let's welcome him to our class. Thank you so much. Good to see you. All right, man, you got a lot to live up to now. Jeez, that, that introduction. was an intro. I wish I could remember that for next. Where was the backflip? Oh, you... man, I mean, there's a lot going on here. So <laughs> give me a minute. All right, all right. On your outro, we'll have you do Yeah, sure. I'll do a spinning and, yeah. <laughs> Rub your stomach and yeah. your head. So you, you have an interesting career. One of the reasons why I wanted to get you in front of um, you know, the many, many people that will see this online as well as the students in this room. And one thing I really love about your career is you, you've done what I – tell the students they should strive for, which is find something you love, find yeah. something you're passionate about, mm-hmm. and then figure out how to make money doing it. Because it's one thing to be a starving artist, yeah. it might sound romantic, it's not. It's another thing to maybe take a job that you really aren't happy with, but you make a lot of money. If you can combine yeah. those two, um, really build a career where it doesn't feel like work, or at least most of the time it doesn't feel like work. Sure. So feel like you've done that. If you haven't, be honest and just tell no, me. No, it's, it's, I've, <laughs> I've, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's work and passion, of course. Yeah. So some of the times it's more work, some of the times it's more Totally. Every day passion. is not a so carnival. Yeah, no, but, it's but not. It can, but it can be more fun than not. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, let's talk a little bit about how you've gone 
um, you know, how you got to where you are now. When you were growing up, did you dream of being a rap star, rock star, musician? Obviously, music was a passion right. for you. Was that, was that sort of your goal, and then it morphed into getting behind the, behind the, 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 the desk instead of in front of the desk? Yeah, I mean, as a, you know, I, I grew up in a really musical household, so, I mean, from the age of five or six years old, I was playing guitar while my dad was playing drums in nice. the garage, right? So it's like, that was sort of like, a, I think, the foundation of just having fun playing music, and it was just something that I always liked, and yep. my friends coming in and out of the house, and, you know, typical garage band type of scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so was your dad... A frustrated professional musician, or was he just... No, he, <laughs> I mean, some might say, but no, he, no, he, he played, he played drums in college, and then got into tour management, and then ended up getting out of the business, and realizing that, you know, he had his limit as far as a player, and then sure. just was always, um, just supportive of being, supportive of being really creative as, like, at a young age, just, like, just have some fun, make right. some music, right. and stuff right. like that, so... I mean, that sounds like a great experience for a father and a son to just go out there yeah. and... But, you know, yeah, it was just jam sessions all the time and right. stuff like that. So as far as like the, the, the question that you asked, it's you know it there came to a point like as in everybody's life where it goes okay, well now what? Do you you know I was studying privately and um, the joke is I never even got into jazz band in high school, <laughs> which, which is a true story. But um, I was always like studying privately and. I was studying, you know, I was just as much into technology at the time as I was into music, and I just decided, like, okay, what can I wake up to every day? I was programming and stuff like that that I was also kind of interested in in high school when I was a kid. I was like, I like it, but I just don't love it like I love music, right? Right. So, um, yeah, I just sort of made the commitment after applying to schools like when I got it I tried to you know there's UC schools and such and I got into Berkeley and I was, I was like I, I just don't want to I, I just didn't want to live with any regrets I was like I just want to see how, it was really just I want to see how good I am that simple I think that's a very good mantra for anybody like how good am I yeah. like really just I just want to know you don't want to be that person sitting there I don't want to live with regrets I could have got yeah, I, just don't I got into Berkeley <laughs> yeah I could have done that and this and that you know I had to support a family so that's, that's so they, when they looked at that they said okay UCSB no no way um kidding uh, they saw the UCs and then they saw Berkeley was that a hard decision for them or? yeah it was a really really tough decision it was a really tough decision a lot of conversations a lot of me having to literally build a case on if I were to go to school like like mm. that what do I what do I do then like what 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 do I envision my career to be um, it, it wasn't it wasn't a you can go to Berkeley and be a jazz guitarist which is what I wanted to do at the time I just I just wanted to play jazz that was it it's like but there was no that that wouldn't that didn't fly mm-hmm. so it was like I always had a passion for making for Records of just how they were made, learning about how they were made, making them myself. They were terrible, but like I tried, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. so I just really was interested in that. So, that and was. You were sort of in that era when that was first becoming possible, right? Where you could actually, you know, in the seventies, you could do it with a cassette player right. and make really bad music. But you were in that digital, the beginning of the digital era where you could. Yeah, it was right and... at the intersection. So it was literally, I got my friends parents who had the four tracks and stuff right. like that like this is how it's done and then me online downloading at the time really slowly audio programs and being like but i can do it this way right, so it was right, like right. so it was very like this yeah it was a, it was an intersection for sure so for you the the it sounds like the technology music 
was a natural intersection for a long time. It wasn't a left turn or a right turn. You yeah. were sort of always in that direction. So tell me a little bit back, 03, were your contemporaries, your peers at Berkeley, were they thinking they were going to be these famous musicians or be in symphonies? Or what? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but that was their thing? In 2003, like yeah. when I was on the way out, yeah. I think everybody in a school like that thinks that they are it. Yeah, really. They are so self-centric right. of what they were going to do. And for me coming in there as someone that wanted to be a supporter of it, not necessarily the guy that's like in front of everybody, it was a little bit bizarre to look at. When did you, did you make that shift at Berkeley or was it before you actually went where you said, I'm going to be behind the board, I'm not going to be in front of the board? It was at Berkeley. It was at Berkeley and I remember I was playing and I was around some really, really talented people and at the time and I remember, um, I remember just, I think I started I, I wasn't I, I wasn't accepted to the major. Right. I, I right. was I was in a heavily impacted major. There's like fifty people a year that get into it. So I had to go take some other major. And I remember when I finally got into it, I it was just like it just felt so comfortable. There mm. was like a comfort to just sitting in a studio that I think most people freaked out and I was just like, Oh, this is nice. Like I, I could see myself being in here every single day. Right. This, this right. is awesome. So Well, I think that's a key to um, success in many ways is having that self awareness. Sure. Like yeah. maybe you have a dream to do X, but then over time reality sort of sets in and you go, Maybe X isn't really my dream, it's X plus Y and <laughs> Yeah, I think and, that's... but not compromising, not saying to yourself, Well, I can't do that so I'm gonna do this. It's just actually finding the one that's a better fit. Hundred percent. I mean, that's really well said. Yeah, it's it's like it's you have an idea of what you think something's going to be, you try it, you get there, you go, what do you like, what do you not like, how long are you going to be there for, and then and then make a pivot. I mean, there's no. I I just have always looked at things like, how, you know, how do you know what it's like until you try it, really, versus studying something and then, you know, you just want to try as much as you can. So I think it's it's hopefully already getting clear that's to folks approach, that are... That's my approach, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to have you in this series, because yeah. I, I like that you, you found yourself in that way at a young age. And I also like that I think people are kind of hearing your voice already and they're getting to know you. You have a very high EQ. You have a very high emotional intelligence. And I think if you're going to work with some of these very well-known people that yeah. can go to their head, that, you know, that they can do no wrong, and you're trying yeah. to guide them on a musical journey and get the best work out of them without it becoming your yeah. record. And I, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I can imagine that's difficult, to say the least. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the game. That's the game is how do, you, how do you be a fly on the wall and how do you tell somebody that that's, that's at that level that that it sucks. sucks. Like, that, it that beat that you just thought was awesome? You know, that, that you just sang that and it was not good and you need to do it. And that, that is 100% the job. That, yeah. that is 100% the right. job that I was doing for I mean, I still do it, but like, that I think a lot of people don't really actually ask that question, which is like, well, I've what's been, that like? Yeah. I've been in some studios. I managed yeah. a band yeah, for a while, and right. I've actually okay. watched that process. I've never done what yeah. you've done by any means, but I've kind of watched that, and I'm like, wow, that person just completely got where they needed to get that person without bruising the ego or, mm-hmm. or, or taking over or whatever. Do you have any, I don't know, kind of put you on the spot, but are there specific things that young people can learn from? Like, are there certain skills or things you do or any tips you can, when they're in a high-pressure situation with maybe some of the big ego, what's, what are some ways you just make that work? It's a good question. Um, 
Well, the first thing I, I, I had to realize is that when I'm in a high-pressure environment with someone that is, I, I look up to even, I've had situations where I'm just like, wow, this guy, you know, what am I doing in here? Is I, I, always, I always tell myself, like, especially even like this situation right here, right? Like, I don't know, I'm in front of a lot of people. Like, that's, that's nerve-wracking, right? Um, I just say, yeah, I, I, I just firmly believe that whenever you're in a room, you're there because you should be. For whatever that reason is, right. like if you fail at whatever you're doing, that's okay. But like you're you're supposed to be in that room, right? And I think that just kind of calms me down, which is you know a way to just kind of look at everything for face value and just be like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. Okay, let's get the like the noise out of my brain. Right now, right. let me focus right. on what on the task at hand. Yep, yep. Yeah. So that's uh, that's an important lesson, and it's that it, there is a humility in that too. You're not. You're not taken to the extreme of, of course I should be here. No, it's not like that. Right. It's, it's, you have to prove yourself. But I like what you said. If you hear that voice of doubt, that's normal. Like, that's right. okay. Right, you, it's totally normal, and that just means you're about to do something cool. Right, you're pushing yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that's otherwise how are you supposed to, like, if everything was so easy and awesome, then everybody would do it. It's just the people that just go, oh, this is uncomfortable. Like, cool, great. That means something's over there. Yep. We'll take the first student's question. Um, so my question is, uh, how do you envision the future of music to be like? And um, do you think that radio will ever be replaced, or will there be new methods of listening? So yeah. how the future of music, and will radio be replaced, and if so, how? The interesting thing is, is yes, I, I, I think so. Um, do you have some countries now that, uh, like Norway, um, who are phasing out terrestrial radio? Um, so they're one of the first countries to start to do that mm-hmm. in place for satellite and you know streaming and such. So um, it's hard to really think about that, you know, because radio is such an important part of our culture, and to take it away, I, I don't know if people are going to totally take it away. It'll right, be there, right. but. Um, well, I think it's still like 93% of Americans listen to right. radio every day. Right, right. So how do you change those habits? Um, and I think that as younger, you know, younger people become more of the populace, then those habits will you know, eventually start phasing out right. the older habits, right. I think. Well, people thought that TV would be around forever, and now right. TV what? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think as far as like the as far as like the future of music, yeah, terrestrial radio I think will decline, and I think that um, uh, I I mean I'm a big believer with what's happening with Amazon Alexa right now and and Alexa skills and stuff like that. So I think that's really where. So how do you think? Let's talk about that for a second. So how do you think Alexa? You know, artificial intelligence, big data, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So sort of like Pandora personalized. Sure. How is that going to impact? It is impacting now. It's yeah. not even like it's not even like will or whatever. It's how I mean, are you seeing it as an industry? Well, it, it's, yeah, it, uh, the data for that is you, you, it's funny. It's the songs that are played the most on Spotify via Alexa are study like songs to help you study. Songs mm. to help you relax. It's right, all the right. like passive music that's helping a situation, like mood music and stuff like that. There's a huge spike in that right now. So before you would think of music as, you know, top forty radio, whatever right. these hits and stuff like that. When actually now, since music is such, it's, it's so much easier to to access that 
people are, you know, adding their Alexa system in their home and listening to more music wow. in certain situations. So it's sort of allowing the music industry to look at these genres of like study music and stuff like that mm-hmm. and really take it seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think back to Pandora, you know, it seems archaic now, but just the fact that you could thumbs up and thumbs down music. Can yeah. you imagine if you told a record executive in the 60s like, that that would be possible? I mean, yeah. It's like Nirvana. Like, you know exactly what that person wants. Yeah. And, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's changing, it's changing everything. Yeah. It's changing every, you know, where, people, where the business is becoming more consumer-driven then, yeah. And I, and I always tell my students and everyone watching this around the world, like that, this is another example of the hummingbird effect. Like, think about, right. okay, John's up here saying this is happening. What, what are the next, what are the secondary and tertiary things that will happen because of that? And how can I jump on that bandwagon, not the yeah. main bandwagon? I'm not going to create the next Alexa, but what else could I come up with? As far as like a hardware device you're saying? Hardware, software, I mean, just how is that going to impact our daily lives? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think for me as a creative person, the thing that's more really exciting is thinking about Alexa playlists for home environments as a format rather than thinking of it as an al- album. It's like mm-hmm. 30 songs to help get you through the day or whatever. And I think that as, an, as a creative focal point on creating something for that demand is, is really, it, it just is going to start creating all these different pockets of creative options for artists. Right? I was going to say, how, yeah. how, are, how are artists reacting to that now? Are they... They're slow. <laughs> they're slow because they're, they, they are still self-centric, right? They still think it's about them. It's about their performance. And they right, think about right. it. And it is a lot. I mean, of course it is. But um, playlists are more popular now. Right. People, there's payola now. And pay, I shouldn't say this out loud. But, like, but, yeah. but yeah, there's a they lot. They don't know of, what that means. But. No, but it's like there's a lot of really, like, really crazy parts to like playlisting that you know that that's just a, a driving factor for the music industry it's yeah. like oh are you on this it playlist it makes sense if yeah. Spotify puts you on one of their yeah. playlists you're gonna Rap get a lot caviar, of downloads. like I'm on this and there's like a hundred you know right. five million people looking at it I think right. that's right. that's really powerful yep well you mentioned Norway I was gonna ask you about that so I'll, um, yeah. Let's let's talk about that for a second. That promotional video was really well done. Yeah. Like you look like a rock star. Like it was so bizarre. What it was, happened there? Like yeah. what was the impact? What was that? <laughs> what, was that? <laughs> what was that? That's I'm still trying to figure it out. And did and how did that impact your music? It was unbelievable. It, it was literally. Uh, Maybe we should explain a little bit. What sure. It, so there was a video that I did that it's on my website, um, archwoodmusic.com. I'll do a shameless plug, but. Um, so it's this video for three minutes of me riding around like Norwegian, like like Norway, and on like I think I was on like a snowmobile and like an ice castle, like the, the most like ridiculous things, and um, and it was about me making music in Norway, right? So, and it was shot like incredible. It, it was, was like really well done. Yeah, it was like it was like I mean red cameras, like beautiful like scenes. So. Um, yeah, privileged to be on that, obviously. It's insane. But it just came about because a friend of mine said, you know, who was Norwegian said, hey, um, a friend of mine owns a TV production or a video production company, and they, they just have a client. They have a client that's the Norwegian government, and they want to figure out ways to bring tourism to Norway mm. in the wintertime. Mm. And uh, I th- they're looking for people to score uh, the, the the videos. It's mm-hmm. like a tourism video, sure. right? So I was like, oh, cool. That sounds awesome. Like just that as itself. Yeah, sure. I'll square that. So let me put you in contact. And um, 
I asked the guy, I said, you know, I said, okay, you just want it to be scored, right? He's like, yeah, but send me a proposal of, your, of what you think should be done. So I sat there and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool if someone went there, instead of like scoring it like someone traditionally right. would, like software instruments and stuff that everybody has, focus it on, a, focus a, make a score about it that's only using sound from that region. Mm. And so uh, I don't know if anybody here are fans of like Bjork or there's a lot of, like Bjork is a recording artist yeah, that was sure. doing found sounds in like the 2000s that I was like pretty influenced by. So, you know, I think I was, I was selfishly, I always wanted to do something like that. So, <laughs> so, you know, I pitched the idea, did a full proposal about, hey, why don't I go there? Why don't I go to the ice cave and like use a microphone and record the reverb of the ice cave and use that as part of the mm-hmm. score? And they liked it. And that was like six months of trying to figure out, you know, if this was real or not, is this really going to happen? Right, and then right. I saw the plane tickets came in, and I was like, oh, this is real. This is like... <laughs> but the joke was that I didn't realize that I was going to be the main guy. I thought I was going there to just do the found sound recording and create right. the score, and I was the audio guy. There's the video right, guy and stuff right. like that. And I showed up, and they're like... Musician or something. Yeah, yeah, they showed up. They're like, are you good on camera? And I was like, yeah, I've, I've, I've done interviews before. Like, I'm okay. They're like, yeah. okay, cool. Like, this is about you. <laughs> I was like, what? I swear. And I was like, I was like so they're like... They're like, they're giving, there were lines that they gave me, and I was just botching it. I was like, I have no experience with that. And, and so it ended up being like, they took out a lot of the, <laughs> the, the crazy parts, obviously. Sure. But, but it ended up being a really cool piece of just like me showing up there with a laptop, going around, traveling, seeing like beautiful parts of the country, and then um, assimilating all that content and bringing it home and making yep. music. And, and I think like, yeah, most of the music was recorded there. There was some stuff like that wasn't, but I think for the most part, it was it sounds. Captured. No, it was it was well done, and it and it got that ultimate message across, which yeah. was promoting, but not in a cheesy like "here we go again" kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, the guys were just top notch. A great agency out there. I actually became friends with them, and like really, really cool experience. And and um, the, I mean, the metrics from the promotional video, proved, you know, it was a success. So yep. everybody was yeah, happy. I am not surprised. <laughs> it was great. And then, and you know, that came about because of your network, a friend conversation and you followed up on it that's so often that's kind of opportunity knocking in a way maybe not knocking that loud but somebody mentioned something and you could have just blown that off and been like yeah i almost did i actually almost did i almost was like this is a i was like is this i just didn't know if it was real that's really what it was and it was and I, i think that's a good point that people can pay attention to is like i it's maybe it's to a fault sometimes but like when things come in i i usually take things seriously and i and I respond and say, well, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if I send a proposal out? Like, right. they just don't, they yeah. don't, they don't. And, and, and this worked. And I was like, I, I almost passed on it because it was a lot of work to write something like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I, I, I invite a lot of people. I get the pleasure and the privilege to interview a lot of interesting people. And you just got back to me immediately and said, yes, I love that. Right. I just love that yeah. you were just like, yes, I'll do it. No drama. <laughs> and this was like six months ago. Yeah. You were like, I'll be there. Yeah. And then when I reached out to you I don't know, a month ago, you were like, yep, 
on the counter. <laughs> I'll be there. And I just love that in people. And I think successful I, people do that. They don't flake. They don't go, oh, just, now I'm in Europe or whatever. I, you know, we, we met on a panel, I yeah. think. And, and, and I thought, I was like, you're, you're a really nice guy. And I think that, like, you have a, you're, I mean, the fact that you do this, the fact that you're sharing all this stuff with the, you know, with, with the students, I think is a really admirable thing. And I think that, like, I think at heart, maybe I connected on that level. And yep. I think, like, I just like to do stuff. Like I just, it's just I like to put well, myself in, in situations that I maybe I've never spoken in front of, you know, this many people all yeah. at once about this subject. But right, it, right. why not? And it's going to get a bunch of views too. Yeah. Online. Um, but I call it being a yes. Yeah. I call it being a yes. Like sometimes it's just great to be a yes. Somebody says, "Hey, why don't we go do this?" Yep, I'm in. Because if you let that filter go down, there's that yeah. always fifty reasons why you should say no. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of no's, but like you got to like there's a lot of. You know things to, that you just can tell might waste your time. But, sure. But I think like as a whole, when opportunities come Especially up, Especially when it's a chance to give back and. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm appreciative. No, yeah, well, no, thank you. So while working with artists like Eminem, who can often be considered controversial, did you ever second guess the opportunity to work with him, or did you just instantly say yes, like John say was yes. just saying? Say yes. It, you know, look, I mean, when you have your own business, you've got to look at your bottom line, obviously, and it's a, it's a paid opportunity, and you just mm-hmm. go, cool. I, I think the idea of dealing with someone controversial, it, and we spoke with, about this, I think, in an earlier class, but um, it, unless it's someone that really stands for something that you really are against, right. you know, I think it, it's an art form, you know, what he does, and I think that, like, people are going to love it and people are going to hate it, and I think that's the point, right? So... In that opportunity, in that situation, as long as he's not doing something I totally don't believe in, I think I don't ever really think about the repercussions of it's a job and it's and it's a good opportunity and gets my name out there and you know it's, it's something that yeah I think that's I think that's good advice even in, not in the music business but any business where you align yourself with people you know yeah. you got to make sure that, that you're not compromising your your own you don't want to compromise your own value integrity, integrity or yeah. anything like that absolutely right. you got to take care take account of that but I think you know it's m and m it, it was an opportunity that was that came through and I just was like yeah that sounds cool there's no I remember seeing an interview with him where he said uh his Hits, you know, the ones that have gotten the most airplay. He's like, I usually don't like those songs when right. we first do. He's like, I don't, I just think they're stupid, silly songs. And then there'll be a, the ones I love are the yeah. ones that nobody really yeah. wants to play. Typical story. Did you see that in the studio? Or is it like the things that were throwaways ended up being, well, not for, throwaways, but. For that, for that record? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. It was, it was a type of situation where I saw it and I was like, wow. Um, and I sat there with I worked on the project with a with a really talented producer as well and he and we sat there and just kind of looked at each other and we're like he's got to do that again <laughs> and we're like whoa how are we in this situation right. where we got to tell this guy to do it again right um, so yeah I so mean, like Frank Sinatra with one take yeah it's that's not it's not it's rare that that happens <laughs> Yeah. That's funny. Well, we have um, I, in this audience we we have a student that I introduced you to. You were very helpful with him, very generous with your time. He's got millions of views on Spotify, or right, millions yeah. of downloads, I guess, or streams yeah. or whatever. Um, how? What kind of advice do you give? So, thank you for interacting yeah. with him. How? What kind of advice do you get give to to young people like that that are trying to figure out the playlist? They're trying to break in. We don't have the la- the big major labels anymore. Right. 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 
he's doing what he's supposed to be doing is trying to figure it out. Right. It, that's that's what's that's there's that's the that's the joke is that the technology is changing so much all the time. You know, Justin Bieber was found on YouTube years ago. You know, but that may not be the platform today. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got to figure out what what works for you, what your audience responds to. You know, if, if your audience is responding to, to you having behind-the-scenes stories on Snapchat because they like you as a personality, then do that. But right. if they're not responding, they're responding to you making beautiful artistic records that are just timeless, and they're buying it on vinyl, do that. It's, but you just got to keep throwing the lines out there until something responds back to you, and you go, oh, wow, the people, right. you know, people like that. People, people like what I'm doing. So well, I had Mike Falzone um, last year. He's a YouTube star, he's a musician, yeah. comedian, and he was saying something similar. Where it can be frustrating because it, it could be Vine, right? You could get like all these Vine right. followers, right. and right. Vine goes away. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, right. or MySpace yeah. or something. Totally, but totally. If you don't do that, if you don't take the risk of, of building a following that might go away, right. then you're never going to get a following. Right. That's why right now I think the game is diversification, which is not putting all your eggs into a vine or right. putting into, you know, putting it into just your Spotify music. We also have you know social media channels and stuff like that. Make sure your live performances are awesome. I think that's yeah, that doesn't hurt. That's the just remember that. Okay, like that's first and foremost. Just put on a great show. Well, I remember like Troy when I interviewed him. He said with he calls her Gaga. He's like yeah. Gaga. Outworked everybody, of course, and she did four or five shows a night. Yeah, and people, you know, that following just built. It was that sort of organic following of people that would then follow her from gig to gig to gig, even in that same evening. So yeah, so you gotta you gotta deliver live. You gotta really just you gotta really make it an event that somebody wants to go to. Yep. Right. It's, it's such a simple concept, but people forget about it. You know. That's hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to do every night. Over night and over, over again. Oh yeah. I mean, that's why. I, that's why I. I backed out of being a live performer a long time ago. I was just like, I, it's, not, it's not my specialty, yeah. Groundhog Day, every night. <laughs> yeah. We'll take the next student's question. Hi. Um, when you were starting up your company, what did you do to receive recognition and trust from like big companies? And, um, partnerly? See? Yeah, from, so we'll, let's seg- we'll segue a little bit to partnerly, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, also, what was like, the main factor that drove your company to uh, grow and beat your competition or attract uh, big companies to come to your company? I think that was, Partnerly was really interesting because that was me sitting down and realizing like there's, a, there's certain parts of the system that are broken, obviously, and, and wanting to try to fix something. Right. And then, but I didn't have as much credibility. I mean, I had been working on some corporate projects for licensing, music licensing, but... As far as brand partnerships, I wasn't as much in that space, and so I, I had to find a partner. I found a business partner that had more experience in that in that world, and we we had a, you know a lot of cups of coffee, you know, and just just you know week after week until and we had we were doing some projects on the side together, working on some business yep. together, and then all of a sudden we just said we're like. Why don't we start something? Exactly. I was like, why? And I said to him, I was like, would you do this? And I was the type of person that I had been grilled since I was a young youngster to like, it's all about ownership. It's mm-hmm. all about mm-hmm. owning your own business. You know, my my parents were entrepreneurs. My dad owns owns his own business. Like everyone yeah. in my family is always like that. So, and the idea of just being like, hey, we're gonna do this together, was always taught to me as something that was extraordinarily risky. Mm. 
Um, but I think I have a better gauge than most on winning, when to know when somebody is like has like good values, and you know, off the off the top. I mean, it's hard to really know, but I think I have a little bit of a radar. Um, but but you also curated that friendship, right? So you didn't yeah. just jump into a relationship. No, no. you guys no, I, talked, spent time together, and then worked on some side projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot like um, romantic relationship in, in in that regard, where you really have to you have to test that relationship, right? So with a few trials and tribulations, 100%. and make sure that it's working. And yeah, on a small, little, minimal level, right. like hey, if I work on this project with you, and this is coming, to, like how does that how does that work business wise? And yep. and it was always a positive experience. So I looked at what I lacked, and, I, and I, I was like, look, I can't do this. This is an idea that I have. I can do the, bring this to the table, and then sort of came to an agreement with him. And with that, we were able to leverage a lot of both of our experience to do what we're doing now. And it's really hard to be a sole founder at a tech company. I work with a oh few. It's really hard. Oh so my gosh. get a co-founder, it's, it's night and day, right? Can you imagine the problem? It's like a problem no shared way. is a problem half, right? It's like you yeah. want to share those problems. There's no way I could have done this on my own. There's absolutely no way. It's, it's so difficult. And not even just from a technical standpoint, it's just you're sharing the workload. Yeah. But it's also like when things get you know it's just camaraderie like yep. just getting getting yourself through like a problem and yep. just it's talking about it talking emotional about ups and downs yeah. right the highs are high the lows are lower yeah remember Her- to use a music analogy Harrison used to say I don't know how Elvis did it right yeah. Elvis was alone whereas at least right. the Beatles right. had each other to complain right. to right <laughs> right and I, and I remember like I had been alone I had been producing records on my own and signed as my own you know, entity for a while, and right. and I just I hit a wall where I was just like, I I can't do this anymore. Like I need I need help, and I need to find someone that I can kind of start thinking bigger with than just. So how that. did you guys come together? What I met him at a songwriting session uh, through a company called Pulse, and uh, he we were writing some music together, and it was sort of like the music was cool, mm-hmm. and and I was just like I was like there was I was I didn't really think about it at the time, and I was like. This guy seems like he knows. He's, he seemed more like business oriented than than um, just a music guy, just a musician. So I sort of kept it in my back pocket and um, just kind of stayed in touch for over a year. I think mm-hmm. on just like asking, just like literally questions about the brand space because I was interested in it, but I didn't I didn't know where I would land if that right. was something that I wanted to get into. Right, right. And so we just felt we just kind of had like an organic you know friendship. Yeah. That we just kind of... Yeah, I always think the like, romantic relationships often are best if they start out as friendships. Like, you have that time to just be friends, and then it involves yeah. something yeah. else. It kind of sounds like you did that, too, on a, sort of like a different scale, where you had that slow burn relationship where you were just staying in touch, and then yeah. you ended up doing something together. Yeah, totally. It was, it was very much so like that. So I'm going to get the next student's question in a second, but let me ask you, um, going back to the, the very well-known people that you've worked with. Sure. There's a, there's a lot of students, you know, not, not the majority, but certainly a number of students that think fame is something they want. Yeah. And whether it's fame at like an M&M or it's just fame in their industry or they want notoriety. Mm-hmm. So you've seen it. Do you have any, any thoughts from the inside of, of maybe, you know, it's okay to aspire to that, but maybe a couple words of warning? Or do you think they should just go for it? And... It's, I mean, fame is, I mean, it's, ins- it's, it's crazy. It's, um... I think you just, the fundamental thing to ask yourself is to ask yourself, 
why do you want fame, right? And it's a really deep question, but you just got to ask yourself, why do you want, oh, because well, I want to be famous. Okay, well, why do you want to be famous? Well, because, like, you know, I want, I, you know, I want to be, I want notoriety. I want to be known for something. I want to, I want to have a place. I want to, I want to, I want to have a mark here. Why? Right. Yeah, just keep asking. Why? Me. Just yeah. like, like, you know, like an old samurai warrior or something. Like, <laughs> ask yourself why. Like, keep asking. And then you're ultimately probably going to come up with, like, something that you don't want to deal with. Right. <laughs> like, right. you're just like, oh, this is too much. Or, or you're just going to do it because this is the only thing I know how to do or that I can do. It's literally probably can do, right? So just make sure you ask yourself why. And because in that question, you might find something else that is more realistic yep. than this idea of like being a celebrity or the idea of being famous or, you know, because if, 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 all that, if all you need to make yourself happy is, you know, just a nice, a nice car and like, you know, uh, uh, some steady, a steady income, well, like there are jobs that will provide that. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like right. you don't have to aspire to this celebrity Factor. Now, if you have, like, if your answer is that because you want to impact people's lives, you know, okay, well, what, well, what do you want to do to impact people's lives? Like, mm -hmm. what are you trying to mm -hmm. say? What message are you trying to sp spread? And just, like, you know, I think anything positive is, is good, I think, you know. Right. But and you may find there's other ways besides, I mean, let's face it, not that many people make no. that level of fame. Right. It's a pretty high bar. Right. So are there other ways without compromising on your life that you can have a similar impact without yeah, playing I, the Super Bowl or something? Yeah, and I think that's what's so awesome about the music industry now is that it's sort of the middleman's or the middle person's game now, which yeah. is you're able to, if you, if you, if you have a decent head on your shoulders and you, and you can understand business as well as, Music, you can create a, some, you know, a more sustainable lifestyle for what you want to do, rather yeah. than shooting for what exactly. corporations think you should be doing. Right. right? So it's exactly. two. There are two things, and I think we're we're fortunate to be living in a time now that you can actually do that. Versus, it was you got to get a record deal, you got to you know do this, yeah. you got to you got to make three records before you, <laughs> before you make take, a dime, before you make a dime, <laughs> and then you can do whatever you want. I mean, right. let, let's look right. at. Yep. Look at the history of the record in industry. I mean, it's atrocious. Yep, <laughs> it is. In a lot of ways. It, yeah. Well, everyone in this room has their own worldwide radio station, right? I mean, they right. can broadcast anything they want to yeah. the world. Just make yeah. it compelling and interesting. Right. And what I always remind my students, too, is if money and fame made people happy, we wouldn't have all these broken down rich celebrities, right? I mean, it just doesn't make you happy. So you got to ask yourself, not only why do I want to be famous, but you know, what's really going to make me yeah, happy? Like, yeah, what's going to make you happy? What skills do you have that can get you there? Like, yep. What are you good at? Yep. Um, basic stuff, but I think a lot of people get sort of lost because they don't know. And they see the glamour, right? Of course, Our society of course. promotes that glamour. Of course, it's, it's, totally, it's totally shoved down everybody's throat, right. you know? Right. It's like, this is how it should be. Right, you, you should, should aspire to this. You should do this, you should be this, and it's the shoulds. Right. <laughs> it's not good. We'll take uh, your question. Hi. Um, what was your vision in making Partner Lee, and how will you be able to catch up to the ever-changing uh, technological advances? The vision was really just me sitting there saying, like, there's, you know, U.S. copyright law is 
broken for creatives, and um, it's really hard to hold people accountable um, and pay out royalties to creative writers. So I was in like the writer's game for a right. while, and I was seeing royalties diminish, and the typical writer that was like, oh, what's happening? Like, what's going on? You know, are they going to fix it? Are they going to fix it? They, yeah. Are they going to fix Who's it? They? Who's they? Are they going to fix it? Like, right. when's the when's ASCAP going to figure it out? When's mm-hmm. when's my publisher, you know, when when are they going to, like, when's their system going to be more accountable? And, what, and there was just a lot of conversations like that where, you know, I knew the reality of it, but I still would have some of those conversations. And, sure. But then I just sat back and I was like, Okay, I'm a reasonably intelligent person, I would think. Like, what, what if, crazy, a crazy idea, what if there was another way to get revenue in the music business mm-hmm. that isn't touring or isn't... Merch. Yeah, or isn't merch or isn't this. Well, what, 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 what would that be? So I sort of did a survey and I was like, oh, there's a lot of people making money in brand partnerships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I started looking at other industries uh, sports, um, you know, race car, NASCAR, stuff like that, where sponsorship is not really like looked down upon. It's right. actually embraced. Yeah. And, um, and if you take a look at most art in general, art has always been supported, financed by patrons, s- patrons, the church, yeah. like, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So what's the harm versus like where I would used to look at, you know, Nike doing a deal with someone. I think that whole idea is starting to shift. Um, so the idea was really just saying, well, what if that became a major player revenue source for creative individuals, and how can that happen? And so I just sort of really thought about that problem and potential for a while and then thought about, you know, I, I was working over with Red Bull, for example. A friend of mine was there, and, and, I, and I remember I... I saw this whole idea about Red Bull creating music, but there's no bottom line. Like, it's just part of their marketing mm-hmm. budget. Mm-hmm. And I was just so, it was so interesting to me that they were able to support something artistic and there's no, like, oh, you have to sell a million records for us to keep our jobs. Right, right. So I was like, why can't any, every other company do that? So that was the inception on that. Can you talk about some of the, I know some of this is still in the work, so yeah. I don't want you to disclose anything That's confidential, okay. but can you talk about any specific artists and brands that you brought together and how, what, the, what did the artists feel like they were getting out of it? Other than obviously they're getting a payday, but yeah. is there, how yeah. do you deal with that? I'm an artist kind of. A lot of artists sort of look at it and are a little skeptical because first of all, they're used to dealing with the traditional music industry where they're getting, they're getting screwed. screwed. Yeah. So they sort of look at you just like. Right, here we go again. Okay. But I, I made sure that like every opportunity I like I completely over deliver like three hundred percent for the artist mm. because I want the reputation of like being on their team because I really am I mean I really am pro creator mm-hmm. so I, I was like well you know some you know why can't why can't it be like this and and then so some of the artists that I work with like. Um, would walk into an opportunity with Forever 21 or Whole Foods Market and see that they would get exposure via the brand's social media channels. They yeah. get custom places for merch, um, specific areas. You know, get you know. I think a lot of the times it's a social media play. You just 
pivoting off of people's audiences. So rather than just having radio or their playlists or their fans, they get exposed to new markets. And do they get do they get also get new um, demo like a whole a potentially new demographic? Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, you you have people. Um, I've had some artists that we were doing some we we're doing some activations for Whole Foods, which was bringing bringing artists in to literally play a grocery store, well, and people are like, you know, people were criticizing me forever. We're like, why are you doing? And I would I was going down you know, downtown Whole Foods and just working with their team and being like, let's bring amazing talent to play in a grocery store, yeah. right? And it, 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 the idea was that they have a restaurant and bar. It's not just like they're in the in the canned food aisle, but, <laughs> but like, but like, but like, but they had a, they had a restaurant bar concept that they're trying to promote, and and so yeah, you would have these bands that would come through and just be like playing loud, awesome music, and people grocery shopping and being like, what is this? And so by like I think the third month that we were doing it, there was just people all around downtown like coming into the Whole Foods market, wow. and they're like, "This is great! This is like great music." I'm like, "Well, yeah, this is not your neighborhood, you know, you know, bar band. This is like right, right, someone right. from a major label that's coming in, that's trusting me, that's like that this is a good opportunity, doing a social media play behind Whole Foods to make yeah. sure that they're like a co-branded content and like." So artists are after experience like that. They were like, "Wow, this is really cool. This is mm-hmm. really interesting. They have great food, you know." <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, and again, it's like a that. good product, yeah. a good brand. They're not yeah, raising and pillaging the world. And yeah, yeah. Do, so when you're, does it work um, such that Whole Foods basically says, "Hey, John, we have a budget. Right. You know the talent." Yeah. Make the budget work with the, within the talent, and here are the different marketing venues. Yeah, and then they they usually would have some sort of. Um, yeah, idea as far as you know what they like, what has worked within their stores already, what you know, and we sort of we we go back and forth and stuff like that. So right. and try to find the right the right fit for sure. So how would so what about some of the other brands? So the, I don't know if you if you've done partnerly has been working with Converse or if that was before. Yeah, that was that's or American like, Airlines. Con, or... Converse and, and and American Airlines was licensing custom music for them, so Got that's it. a little bit more on the traditional Got side it. of yep. things. Yeah, uh, Forever Twenty One was a really big deal for us. Um, that was working with uh, like doing the F Twenty One X Music brand. So that's that's like a blog where you can where they <laughs> promote artists and then like the artists will link to their stores to buy products. Mm-hmm. And so what's cool is like after that campaign, um, they, for example, like H and M, you know, their competitor, the the clothing store, they spent a million dollars at Coachella, mm. like, and I, you know, saying this out loud, but they spent a million dollars at Coachella and to be promoted. Forever Twenty One came in and created their Forever their F Twenty One X Music tab, and started partnering with artists. To say, hey, let me like get on our site. Like, let me help you know blast us out at mm-hmm. Coachella, mm-hmm. having micro influencer plays with like hundreds of different artists to promote Forever Twenty One during Coachella. Twenty sixteen Coachella, or their hashtag was the number one most engaged hashtag during Coachella, nice. and they didn't put up the million dollar. Right, right, right. Right. So there's all these cool things that are happening like exposure-wise for these artists, and they are jumping at it because it's great visibility. Huh. That's very cool. Yeah. Let's, let's get another student's question. 
So you mentioned previously that you were involved with the creative and music field since a young age, but was there ever a moment where you kind of second-guessed your career path? And yeah. if so... Um, <laughs> Yesterday, yeah, all the time. <laughs> and if so, was there like a specific moment that kept you going and like helped you jump over that hurdle? Yeah, I mean, I, there's been many times that I've, I'm making music. I was making music that you know, wasn't going anywhere, and I like hundreds and hundreds of ideas that just would sort of sit by the wayside, and um, and I think that it was I had to let certain things fizzle out and get to a really like like lonely place for a couple for a period of time for me to realize that I need to change my team. I need to change the people that are around me right now mm-hmm. because this isn't working. Mm-hmm. And like really sitting back and just having the self-confidence to say, like, okay, I've been doing this for a long time. People like what I do. Maybe I just need to go and find other people that mm-hmm. are more supportive and, and start being more proactive like that. And that was a big, that was a big game changer for me. That's hard. Yeah. Because uh, we're, you know, we're entrepreneurs typically are passionate people. Yeah. We, we form strong bonds with people yeah. and have strong relationships. But sometimes it is appropriate to move on. You change the jazz band, right? You're in the same jazz yeah, band yeah. too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just like, let's get, let's, let's get some new blood in let's here. Get a new drummer. <laughs> yeah, get a new drummer. That sax player's been playing way too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Let's go back to the sort of playing off the Coachella um, story with Forever 21. Uh, you mentioned that metric of the hashtag, and yeah. what are some of the other metrics you're looking at? Like, I guess it's twofold, right? So the bands, you're pitching a band, they're right. going, "Wait, what? Hold what? Right. I'm right. not sure about yeah. that." So you're pitching them a certain set of metrics of success. What are you pitching? I'd like to hear what those are, and then what are you pitching to Whole Foods? Like, how does Whole Foods come back and say, "John, you killed it," or "John, we need to work on this"? So usually on the brand side, they have they come to us with like. You know, key points for us to reach and key goals: da- app downloads, people visiting in store, people like retweeting. So, how do they do the in visits, store visits? Are they doing that through? Are they are they physically counting? Are they just saying, you know, the store was full? I mean, do they actually try to? Uh, they do it like for Whole Foods. It was based on the bar, based on purchases okay. at the bar, okay. like a typical, right. yep. you know, like a um, club, like a club. But yep. they're they're taking a crack. At I just it. wondered, are they like looking at phones? Because you know they have now these transponders right. in stores that are actually tracking people coming in. They're not, but other brands, you know, definitely are a little bit more hands-on with technology. They were they right. were not, but I think um, most of the most of the other clients we've had are usually like companies that have like apps they want to download or. Mm products they want to sell so based on you know typical right you know this campaign that we did sold x number of units and this was this was the result on it so so they're holding you to a sort of a traditional marketing roi 100 percent. right yeah. okay which is which is good because otherwise it's just smoke and mirrors and hand waving and the bar right. is full right like, right yeah yeah no there's definitely there's definitely goals for this this is these are not the days of the budgets of just just show up and Right. You know, right. I don't think people people don't have that as much anymore. Well, everything can be measured now. Yeah. So, yeah, so people want to measure it. Yeah, everybody wants it measured. Everybody wants it quantified. What about on the band side? So are they just looking for more followers? What's, how do they... Like, if I had a good gig at Whole Foods, how would I judge that? Um, I mean, like, for example, we had, a, we had a guy play that showed up, you know, was happy to play for the, for the, for the budget that we had, Definitely did it as as a favor, you mm-hmm. know. Showed up with a bunch of vinyl to sell oh, and okay. 
and there was such a good experience that the manager bought all of his oh, merch. You're kidding. And just just gave it out to everybody at the store. Oh, that's cool. So like he's walking out, you know, yeah. all, to get bought out of all your yeah. merch is, is really cool. Sure. So that's, you know, a couple thousand dollars extra that's or more. Straight yeah. to the bottom line for yeah. them. Or yeah. close so, to so when things like that happen, it's not every time, sure. but like, but there are opportunities that happen like that. And, yep. um, all of a sudden they'll get a bunch of followers on their social media because somebody right. you know, connected them on a campaign. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of, Sometimes artists honestly just want to be affiliated with a brand because they think it's cool and it'll help their visibility. We, we worked with TI with Ford, mm -hmm. and he just wanted to be associated with Ford really bad because it would help his demographic. Right. So. It spread his demographic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll take, we have time for one more student question. Um, when a business is first starting out, it can be kind of difficult to like establish a credibility. But um, what did you do to get your name out there and close deals with these big companies like Salesforce and American Airlines? I mean, to close those types of deals, that was just that was a combination of my partner and I. Mostly, a lot of my partner who had some of these existing relationships that we started cultivating together. But early, are you asking more early on? Early on, I worked for free all the time, yeah, like all the time. And I remember I, you know, when I went to Berkeley, you're allowed an internship course, right? And then I took my internship at a music publishing company and I burnt it out. I was like, ah, oh, this, isn't, this isn't for me. <laughs> and I was like, well, now what? Right, right. So I went to Santa Barbara City and I got... Oh, really? Yeah, so that's why I love Santa Barbara. So I, so I have a, source, a soft spot because I went to Santa Barbara City and I said, well, what's how can I enroll in your internship program and not have to pay like a full like college tuition? And it just so happened that they were the only school in like the LA area that I could just pay the 65 bucks or 85 bucks to take the wow. internship. So I would, I actually, I shouldn't tell you this, but go ahead. <laughs> so, no, so I would take the course, I would pay for it. And then I would show I showed up to another internship and then I just never showed up to class. But like, what was the internship? Can you say? Uh, I worked for a DJ producer. I worked for Atlantic. I worked for yeah, you know, a, a host of a bunch of companies mm -hmm. that I mm -hmm. just you know I worked for free, and it was just until I found something that made sense for me. I just and then those relationships that I built. Exactly. I mean, it's it's really it's the it's the book that everybody teaches, but right. like. Right. So many of my relationships came from those early intern years of just people that were doing the same thing. And all of a sudden, they get in a position and they remember me. Yeah. It's a classic story. So, yep. yeah. They give you a helping hand up. Yeah. So it's every industry, and this probably doesn't seem to be the case when you're sitting in this classroom, but when you get out there, every industry, no matter how big it is, is small. It's all the same people. Yeah. Like I would basically see the same people at trade shows and things. Yeah. And people talk, and if you, if you do right by people, as you obviously did, you do a good job, you over-deliver. Over time, opportunities yeah. unfold, and they remember you, and they pick up the phone, or if you've been good about keeping in touch with them. It's about building that yeah. network. Every single relationship, you never know if that's the one that's, that's going to lead to... That's it. That's it. I mean, I was at Atlantic. I was an intern, and a friend of mine was an incredible piano player. He just moved to L.A., um, and T.I. was working on an album, and the A&R said, do you know any good keyboard players? I said, yeah, this guy. <laughs> and so I got him to play. I was an intern. That's and, awesome. And then he had a platinum plaque. And, like, it's just, like, that is, like, 
there's no reward for there's no right, right. there's no like there's nothing for me to gain here. I could have. And a lot of people might have tried to leverage something, but I just, it's just like you make that happen, and hopefully down the road, right, it'll come back. Something to you. comes back to you, you know. So I firmly believe that. I firmly, if you do, if you do good by others, it comes back to you in ways you'll never, yeah. you know, can't predict, but it always comes. No back idea, to you. but it always does. Yeah. So you came here. We appreciate it. This is going to come back to you as well. This is awesome. Thanks, Thanks. John. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.